0: Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Perfect. All right. Today we've got Bob London Uh, We've known Bob for a number of years now. Uh, I've seen him present a number of times, which has been exciting uh, for me, I know, and I'm sure exciting for Jay. Um, Bob, I know, you know, your company is called Chief Listening Officers, and... Welcome to the Gain, Grow,
1: Retain podcast.
0: The place I wanted to start with you was just with your tagline on your homepage, uh, which says, listen first, market better, grow faster. So how did you come up with that? What does that mean? Why do you re- Why did you feel like that was prominent enough to put on your homepage of your website?
1: Well, so first of all, it's great to be here. And um, I, I want to give you guys a special, I want to anoint you guys as honorary chief listening officers because of what you're doing on LinkedIn and elsewhere with your office hours. I, I wanted to make sure I said that to give you guys a shout out for all you're doing to build the community and uh, customer success and really ripple, rippling out into the business community at large. So I, I'm i always impressed when other Organizations listen to their market, but so for me, I'm a career marketing executive. I'll give you. A, I have to give you a little history, just because uh, I have to. Um, I'm a career marketing executive, uh, mostly in the B2B world, and at some point, um, as a consultant, uh, sort of an outsourced chief marketing officer, I felt like there was so much guesswork going into uh, the strategy. Um, you know, you'd have sort of every voice. Uh, the CEO, the founder, the head of marketing, the head of sales um, and others, the board of directors saying, here's what we should do. Here's what we should do. And guess what voice was missing? It was the customer's perspective. So I found myself saying, you know, guys, maybe the guys is a gender neutral term. Um, maybe the answer is not in this conference room. And um, so about six years ago, seven, I started saying, um, before we start the marketing, what you think of as marketing piece of the engagement, which usually involves spending money, um, let me go out and talk to your customers and prospects and see if I can tease out what's really going on and get some uh, momentum around um, some insights that that give us momentum in the right direction rather than, just, and quite honestly, being data-driven and having dashboards is all very important, but I it's like sort of come out from behind the dashboard, talk to real people, uh, in a and what turned out to be in a very natural conversational you and, and turned out to be a unique way, which Jay knows I call agendaless listening, where you really get get the other person comfortable with um, that you're you're only you're not there to sell them anything, you're not there for to zero in and make them say one thing that they don't really you're there to just understand what the world looks like from their side of the table. So I started doing that work in the beginning of every marketing engagement, strategy engagement, and I just fell in love with it. and so um three years ago, I decided to reposition my consulting practice as chief listening officers because the um, understanding your customer really well by listening, by looking at data, by other things is it's, it's, it's so underrepresented in, in the activities that business people, organizations do. It's like, let's go take action. Let's be, let's execute. Yeah, that's great. I'm not saying you should slow down and not be agile, but what I am saying is have, how, how do you know you have enough information to make the right decisions? And so chief listening officers was a way for me to double or triple down on that notion. And I'll just tell you as an, as an aside, after I named it chief listening officers and started going out and talking to people and, you know, the website and everything, I found that it was an amazingly good qualifier for people who saw the chief listening officer's term, you know, let's say a, a, a founder of a startup or a CEO of a B2B company, that the ones who wanted to know what that meant. They were curious enough to know what is that. You know, I, I know listening is important, but what is that? Those are the ones I enjoy working with the most because they're curious by nature. The ones who, and quite honestly, I when I did my announcement, I would run into people and say, "Yeah, I saw that. That's kind of cute. You know, another chief whatever officer." And uh, good news is, I didn't have to waste my time with them. So that was just a it's a phenomenal lesson. And I'm not saying chief listening officers is the best name in the world. It doesn't say what it does. But for me, I did not need a name that describes exactly every nook and cranny of, you know, I don't want to be a Swiss army knife. I you know I wanted to um, show people exactly where I was focused and see if I could get them curious about it. So long answer, but that's the, and, and to, to your question, yeah, listening in the beginning is the thing that makes all of your spend more efficient uh, in marketing and selling and to some degree in customer success, although customer success is, has its own built-in listening function or should.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I will tell you, I just did a quick search on LinkedIn. There's 581,000 people who put chief listening officer in their profile, if you were interested in knowing that. On LinkedIn? On LinkedIn. Is that right? Yeah, 581,000.
1: That sounds high. That sounds a little high on that search.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, you know, (laughs) maybe it's a user error. Uh, But one of the things I think, you know, um, is really interesting about the perspective you bring and how it really Um, starts tying into a lot of what we've been hearing from our customer success leaders throughout the various forums we've been listening in on is uh, the idea of how can we make the customer success manager more strategic with our customers. And that has become such a prominent question. And I think there's a ton of different ways that we've heard people try and answer that we've heard, um, Oh, you need to try and get them into a QBR, you know, and having them present to executive leadership in order to be more strategic. Uh, we need that, you know, we need them to get outside of the data and start thinking about, you know, the outcomes that we're driving. Um, and I still think that's all too small as you start thinking about what does it mean to be strategic? And so I'm curious from your perspective, you know, um, with listening, um, how can we teach CSMs? Because I think listening becomes an aspect of being strategic. So how how can we really teach customer success managers, um, to be active listeners, uh, in the way that you start thinking about this agenda list listening that you've introduced?
1: Yeah. So... I think that there are there are a couple of things. First of all, I think that we are in a moment in time here not by anyone's making because of the pandemic and the lockdown and the impact on the economy that you've got um, thought leaders and uh and and CEOs and advisors saying um we need to hug our this is a time to hug our customers even tighter. Have you guys heard that expression? Like this is the that's one of the top 5 things you should be doing. Like that's on the yeah. the whiteboard now. Is hug.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I'd say it, we, we hear that in terms of, uh, you know, our customers matter now because in hey, retention okay. is becoming, you know, like our customers matter because retention is going to be uh, the thing that carries them through this year without having a lot of new business sales. So I'd say uh, instead of hug our customers tighter, we always, we hear right now more so than ever, like, Oh, retention, retention yeah, right. is a little bit more than it used yeah, to. Yeah. And,
1: and I think it's, it's two different ways of saying, the, the hug is the more, I guess, vernacular kind of, and so um, customer success becomes, this fulcrum in that in that business equation that says if okay let's assume we're not going to get x amount of new sales this year or or zero new sales this year Um, the next most important thing is keeping the revenue we have and so this there's this moment that the light has is shining on customer success in this key and customer support and other types of industries non-software let's say and i think i see customer success from my point of view really stepping up and asking the same questions you just asked Um, And so I'd like to give a hug to all the customer success teams right now that are dealing with their company saying what's going on with our customers. So I think there's a couple things. Um, I believe that, you know, you you can't in this environment, especially you can't force, um, you can't force a QBR on a customer. In other words, you can't say, no, 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 I know you're busy and you've got problems and you're dealing with your customers uh, on your end, we, we need you to sit down for the QBR. And I, I had a lengthy consultation with, with a, a woman that had been count management and customer success about this. And I think that you have to carve out time to have a conversation with them where you really want to understand uh, what's on their whiteboard. First of all, the, the whiteboard is a fraction of what's going on in their brain. They have, they're working from home now. It's very different. They may have a kid running around or more kids running around. There's this whole brain space, this distracted brain space. And then within that, there's the, oh, there's stuff on my whiteboard now that I never would have dreamed was on my whiteboard. Now I'm talking about the customer. So I think that it's really important either during a regular uh, business review or to set up a a, a distinct time for it, which gets the idea of a listening tour of saying, um, I just want to see how things are going. I'm not asking if you're staying or leaving. I'm not trying to take your temperature. I just want to know. What like what what in I know what industry you're serving. How's that industry doing? Like that's going to tell you as a customer success uh, person, um, it's going to help you empathize. If if your customer serves the hospitality industry, you need to know that. Um, and, I, and I think I'm sure you guys have examples of this too. So it it's to make time and space to get them talking about what their world looks like. And so one of the questions could be, what's on your whiteboard now that wasn't there 30 or 60 days ago? Because that gives you the delta between normal and now. Um, and there's no reason that that can't be an exercise that customer success teams uh, go through on a very rigorous basis uh, past the lockdown. So let's assume when things get back to normal. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of the why to do it. The how gets into asking questions that are clearly geared towards getting their perspective rather than asking them for a referendum on how your, how, how your software is doing. You know, the the best conversations are the ones that start and end with, let me just hear what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Asking what's on their whiteboard. What's there now that wasn't there 30 or 60 days ago. Um, And I have, I I can introduce some other questions into this conversation that I like to use. Um, But, but you don't get into a mode where you're kind of making them fill out a checklist or it feels like an interview to them. You're just asking them a lot of open-ended questions. And then as you mentioned on LinkedIn recently, These tiny little phrases that are the accelerator for these agendalist conversations. Wait a second. What did you mean by that? Why did you say that? Can you explain a little bit more about that? Um, And the reason that's important, of course, is because first it indicates that you're listening and you're paying attention. But there are so many different interpretations of terms, certain terms that mean one thing to a vendor and one thing to a customer. And you've got to get the again re, re, reduce or remove the delta between the misunderstanding to get rid of any misunderstandings there.
0: Yeah, that's um, and I love the the concept. You know that on LinkedIn, um, getting all these questions back and just the way you talk about the agenda list listening, I think is a um, good way to frame it up too. Because um, in some cases, there has to be a tight agenda, right? There are meetings where we have uh, it's a tactical meeting where we have to get something done, and that has an agenda. Yeah. But there can be. Uh, opportunities in space where we do have an agenda list call uh, that, and I think where you're getting at and where um, where I'm I'm thinking about going as well is that the CSM should be trying to build a personal relationship with this person. And one way to do that is by this agenda-less list listening because you're not necessarily asking about how's the business doing, right? Just like you mentioned, we're asking what's on your whiteboard. I'm not asking what's on the business's whiteboard. Um, but I'm curious, Jay, from your perspective, you know, how do you, from a, you know, leading customer success teams, how do you get, the teams to kind of buy into this concept of listening more, asking the right questions. And then also how do you get the team to start almost sharing the questions that they are asking and finding open-ended ways to do that if you're leading the customer success team?
2: Yeah. I I was sitting here thinking as we were talking, like, I don't know if it's just like the, I don't know what part of me, but the, the agenda list part almost feels wonky a little bit at times. Right. Because it's like, we've been trained, to always have an agenda and always, you know, have a goal of a conversation. And I do think, especially if you're talking to an executive, it's important for them. I mean, if you want them to show up for the meeting, they need to know what they're going to get out of it. Right. So I, I just want to clarify, and I don't think this is your intention at all, but when we say agenda list, we're not talking about don't have a plan going in, don't know what you want to get out yeah, of a conversation. Exactly. Right?
1: Exactly. So um, but and, I, and just I, bear, bear in mind, the term agenda listing listening came up in the context of, um, it's it's a, a way of of getting insights for a very strategic positioning brand strategy uh, messaging exercise to understand what's really on their mind. I, I think yeah. it has a, a very yeah. different connotation in, in the customer success world. I think that's a great yeah
2: point. yeah well yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah, just to tie it all together though, like CSMS, if you're listening, have an agenda for your meeting. But if you're trying to do discovery and learn, in CSMS can use these techniques. You should be doing having agenda conversations in that same way. But I think, um, a lot of this, especially for the CSM team, account management teams, anybody who works with a customer, I think it's, it's good training. And it, and it sort of does depend on the kind of enablement and training that we provide to people and even maybe the role play on, on how to have open-ended discussions, right? Yeah. Have a little, dis- have a little curiosity, be armed with, um, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot, Bob is, As SaaS vendors or SaaS providers, whatever you want to call it, we get the opportunity to see a lot of different things, right? We get to see how a bunch of different customers are doing the same thing or trying to. So we know what good, bad, and ugly looks like. Like bring all that knowledge forward. So we might need to train our teams on not only the techniques of just asking an open ended question, um, but also like here are the top five concerns this month that we've heard on the minds of customers in our industry like you may want to talk to your customer about that and just see if it's a challenge for them right absolutely so I think it's training and enablement goes can really go a
1: long way uh, really no cool. I, I totally get that totally great and i think that the other aspect of agendaless listening is that i think does apply here i think it does and i'd love to hear what you guys think is this notion of you don't you you go in with with a, a discussion guide but it's not an interview it, it's not okay give me the answer to this i'll write it right. down the next question it's if they say something in a way that sounds important to them, keep going, have a conversation, don't, don't <laughs> Just go have back, a conversation, right? Don't go back to your notepad or your Excel spreadsheet or whatever, and ask the next question. If they, if you detect emotion, passion, frustration, anything, you got to move towards it. And you have to develop it. I always say there's no such thing as a tangent in these conversations. If they think it's important, it's, it should be important to you in this process. Um, and I wanted to mention something too, that this the notion of this type of listening i'm going to give you an example so um, it has a lot to do with the questions you ask um obviously because if you ask cliche questions in cliche situations you're going to get cliche answers in my experience i could be wrong but that's my experience totally so um i was working with a company um it was a new client a couple years ago and i met with the um so i, I, I built a relationship with the ceo Uh, Great company, very cool business. And um, we ended up signing an agreement. I came in and the first meeting was with the leadership team who I had not met before. And this was the kind of company that is is, um, very deliberate, very um, uh, sort of uh, 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 cautious about decision making. And I'll say they were reserved, everybody in the room. So you weren't getting a lot of feedback. The next day, or, or excuse me, the meeting ended. I drove back here to my home office and I sent the CEO an email and I said, Hey, you know, again, you don't know what they're thinking. And what the, and I said, um, do you have five minutes for a quick chat? Sure. So instead of saying how'd the meeting go, I said, I'm going to ask you a question. What did you guys talk about right after I left the room? And I think it, it, when you ask questions that have an edge, a specific edge or angle that they're not used to hearing. Yeah. And he, it wasn't all, by the way, it wasn't all, Uh, whatever the expression is, unicorns and sunshine. There was some, uh, and and it's a great way to hear, and you don't debate them. You just say, okay, um, that's really helpful. Um, I appreciate you sharing it with me. And let me just address one of those things and see if it makes sense, that kind of thing. So after the QBR, I would recommend getting in touch with the of contact and saying, do you have five minutes? What did you guys talk about right after that meeting? Now the answer may be, we're freaking busy. We moved on to the next meeting. We didn't talk about, it. okay, fair enough, but at least you tried and you're sending a message that you're willing to ask. Uh, it's a rather courageous question because it could be a negative response. And I yeah. think that authenticity and transparency, when you ask a question like that is um, important, even if you don't get a new insight, but I happen to feel like every time I've done it since then, and the people I've recommended it to, you do get it. It's it's a There's a freshness to it that breaks through the the regimented sort of noise of, of you know, common business practices.
0: Hey there. This is Jeff I'm trying to make it in less than 15 seconds. So here's the pitch. We have an online community with thousands of customer success leaders. Now we're searching for sponsors and partners to help us grow that. Are you one of them? Reach out to us. Let us know. Yeah, I love that. And so um, I love the, what you're talking about. Cause it's really, we always try and find tangible advice. And like that one to me is just a clear one that we can clip out right and say, Hey, uh, as you start thinking about like, that's a great question to start, you know, seeing if there's an opportunity for you to introduce that. Um, the reason I like you talking about that as well is one of the concepts that we always talk about is having multiple levels of, of stakeholders at the organization. So uh, we almost think about it as a pyramid, you know, uh, we should have an executive sponsor, we should have a champion, and we should have power users. And so to your point, I think it's you know, we really believe that the customer success manager a lot of times is building probably the strongest and deepest relationship with the champion. Um, you know, typically the executive sponsor is just signing and, you know, they're, they're coming in at the key moments. And so um, to your point, I think it's great, right? If we have a champion that is, we, we've got a great personal relationship with, like that is such a great dynamite question that they should be able to give you the direct feedback because we we've, we've develop the relationship over time that they should feel safe enough to say hey you know what you know we yeah. did talk about how this didn't really meet our expectations or we did talk about x y and z um, what other i don't know if do you have any other dynamic questions in oh, yeah, your mind was, that I, yeah i love this
1: I'm, I'm bursting at the seams i was going to offer another now this one if so if 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 that question that we just discussed required a little bit of gumption or courage to ask wait do you hear this one so <laughs> and and i and i because i think it gets to the point of what makes customer success strategic and gives them a big seat at the big table, if you will, is not the job title and the job function and the person. It's the insights that they can bring to that big table. So let me give you an example. Um, if, if a competitor contacted you tomorrow, on a scale of one to five, how likely would you be to engage? Five being you would immediately call them back and be curious. One is you would not even you'd ignore the call or the email. And or five would be you'd be interested in meeting them, let's say. Now, if let's say it plays out like, you know, there's a bunch of threes in there. Like we we, we asked 60% of our customers that question and, and um, the, 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 the most common answer was three. Well, that's an insight that, that needs to be brought to the table immediately um, because the follow-up questions go into if I asked you that and I said, if I worked for you, if I was a consultant to you guys and said hey, if, another, if you were sitting on a plane next to another marketing consultant or, and they really caught your attention, or if someone called you or you met them and they really, you know, somehow they followed up with you and they do pretty much what I do, or you think they do pretty much what I do, one to five, how likely would you be to engage with them? And then you give me your answer. And then I say, well, what? do you mind telling me why? And then the next question is, if you did talk to that competitor, what's the first thing you'd ask them? What's the first thing you'd want to know? Because then that gives you the delta between how you're positioned in your customer's mind versus what they're missing or what they're seeking or what they're curious about. So that's a, um, I do um, some due diligence work for companies that are, that are acquiring other companies. And that's one of the questions I, I ask. And that has proven to be just an incredibly good indicator for the health of a customer base. Um, if I say to my, the acquirers, the acquiree's customer, right. That's who I'm interviewing. Yep. And I'm saying, suppose you got a, call from a competitor tomorrow um and, because it's just revealing and of course you have to set the tone so that they they give a very candid answer and that goes to the positioning of the call and all that anyway that's a good that's a really good one i think yeah, you got i, I think like your it. audience can really use that
0: yeah yeah and it you know again i think the, and you, the by the way you
1: guys can use it yeah i your do I, I wrote it down and we yeah. will yeah. <laughs>
0: um I, I like the the way that you think about the delta that's really, I think, something interesting that I don't think the you know, we hear a lot about is we're not, and this gets back to your, I think, your original point from the call, which is, or as we started this podcast, which is, you're not asking the question to tick a box. You're asking the question right. to understand, right? And you're and you're going down a certain uh, avenue. And also, as you're going down that avenue, you're trying to understand what's the delta between what I expected the answer to be or what the answer should be, you know, or what we want the answer to be. Uh, right. And so I think that's really interesting because you're trying to take, Quantitative mindset into the qualitative, right? With the delta and trying to figure out what is that difference and, um, quanti- you know, it's not quantitatively how I can change that, but qualitatively, how do I have to change the perception of that person, uh, our perception, you know, in that person's mind, or how do I have to uh, make sure that they're perceiving our value that we're driving as an organization? And I think that's just the an interesting nuance that um, I want to make sure people pick up on is that there can be quantitative ways or there can be quantitative measurement essentially in the qualitative questions that you're asking, so to speak.
1: Yeah. May I take that a step further and build on what you just said? Um, yeah. It's, it's the, it, it can't always be about making sure the customer realizes the value because if you get a one through five, you get a bunch of threes and you ask why, then you come back and say, we have to change our value proposition, not just how we communicate it or keep hammering them with it. Because sometimes there is a gap between uh, what they bought, the value proposition they bought and the value proposition that caused them to stay a year later when the contract comes up for renewal, right? That if you ask them at two different times, they'll say very different things in many cases. But it's that's what comes back to the big table is, guys, I think the reason they're staying is actually the thing, that's the value proposition we be, should be selling on the front end to new customers. Why? Yeah. Well, because we asked this question. And, and so I think it's a very powerful loop, feedback loop, potentially, and you combine it with... Um, Quantitative data in many cases, uh, the vaunted dashboard, then you know, it can be very, very powerful. I got yeah. more questions, but I'll, I'll wait for you to ask me.
0: I like that. We'll, yeah, we'll. Uh, I'll get to. We'll get to a few more questions in a minute, maybe. Um, but I'm curious if we can dive into an area that you uh, talked about, which was the. You mentioned that some of these questions might take some gumption. You kind of have to have some confidence. You need to be able to think about, you know, how we're positioning in the context of the meeting. Um, and I think Jay mentioned role-play is a great way to oh, try and yeah. get people over that, Absolutely. you know, it's, Hey, we need to be role-playing with our teams and that, you know, it's not this hokey. Uh, like I always give the analogy of like, you know, Michael Jordan practiced before he actually went and performed in a game. And so like, we need to be doing the same thing in business before we can actually take the skill and go use it. Uh, and so I'm curious from your standpoint, if there are other, other ways that you try and help coach people or. Uh, other ways that you've learned throughout your career of how can we get people over the hump and and feel confident enough to take questions like that in there or have, have gumption. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, so the, the role, I, I could start and stop my answer with effective role-playing because, because that, that is the thing. Um, one thing I do a fair amount, uh, even, even just for sort of my office hours uh, versus big engagements is, or at the beginning of an engagement or before the engagement is signed, I'll, I'll talk about, I will um, role play the part of a customer uh, for my client, my prospective client and hear how they talk and we'll record it and then we'll play it back. And first of all, usually without even trying, they'll say like, wait a minute, that just sounded, you know, that." then I flip it and I will by that point have enough knowledge to kind of talk to them about their business as, as if I'm them and they're the customer. And I sell, I'll say, look, I, I want you to, I don't want you to use any, jargon that you don't think a customer would use i don't want you to feed into what i'm saying i want you to be a difficult prospect you know that kind of thing or customer and i think that really helps them understand the again the delta between um how they how they sound today and and the lack of impact they get from these conversations or the lack of response they get so role playing and videotaping is gigantic i don't care if if it's zoom calls you still video you still record it Um, because, and I, I have to say, I just went through this with, uh, my son was, he graduated, he was inter- he'd he been interviewing, and um, it, I think uh, a point at which, rather than me sitting in there and listening, which was not going to happen because it's his thing, I suggested that he keep his phone on and just record the audio, and he did, and it really helped. And he used that recording to, and he also practiced um, in advance of that, and, and, and so there, there's no question that people under-prepare. If it's, whether it's a sales call, a QBR, a listening tour and agenda listening, genderless listening conversation, people just jump into it and it's not their fault. They're busy. Um, but who runs out and gives us, you know, a, a speech without practicing, you know? Um, I and do. and <laughs> I, I've,
2: I've done it before and they suck. And to your point, like we, we joke about this all the time. Like whenever we have to do an external presentation, sometimes we get busy and we bypass a rule that we have, which is we give the, we give the presentation internally to ourselves first. Like I'll right. give it to Jeff and the rest of the team or Jeff will give it to me. And you get some harsh feedback in those meetings because we all trust each other, which is right. awesome. But then right. we skip that step and guess what? We go make those mistakes in front of the client. So anyway, just hopping on your point there. It's a really big yes. one for me.
1: Yeah, I, I'll just tell you just a quick anecdote from this account management CS executive that I, I talked to. Who said that um, their challenge? And it was a, it was a, it's an episodic situation. In other words, they've been helping their customers very much in reactive mode. They it's it's software that's related to payroll. So they got involved with some of the PPP, helping their customers with you know with funding, and um, they but they had they had a meeting where they said you know what at the senior meeting where they said we have to get back to business, which means regular uh, customer reviews, business reviews with the customers, and their challenge was that well we know they're still in this mode of just putting out fires. We don't fully understand what's on their whiteboard. So the team was actually reluctant to take on like asking to do, Hey, let's get back to regular QBRs because their, their fear was that companies would say, really? Like, not, not that almost not sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. Like they wouldn't, they would just say, you know what? We're busy right now, but they'd be thinking tone deaf and, um, so what we ended up talking about was a way to position it with the the, the customer facing team to say, um, we we do want to start reengaging on a little bit more measurable basis, you know, quantifiable basis. What so here's here's our thinking. What do you think is the best way to do it? And what if it is more open ended? Or what if it combines sort of an open ended, how are you doing? What's on your whiteboard? With hey, we also want to cover a few things that are important to us because then you've teed it up in a way. So that it's just like I mean, Jay, we've Going back and forth on the whole empathy thing. This is a time of, as you have said, forced empathy, and I can only hope that um, this is this will become the new normal for businesses that they are. They recognize once and sort of once and for all the extreme cost of losing and having to reacquire revenue versus um, constantly trying to get new logos. Which I understand is the way of the world, especially in institutionally backed companies that that have growth targets. I get that. That's the world we live in, yeah. and it's fine. But, um, you know, you've got companies like yours, um, which are helping build community and awareness and, and sort of a sense of strategic purpose around customer success as a function, uh, I think is fantastic. And I, uh, just, just as background, so we met when uh, I was fortunate enough to speak at a customer success summit from JMI Equity mm-hmm. that you organized, uh, Jay, and uh, Jeff, you were there, of course. And I looked around the room and I thought... Um, these guys are making it a thing. They're making it a thing. You know, people come in from all over the country, all these, you know, and I don't know if they had other opportunities to socialize ideas with their peers, but here it is. And then, you know, I was fortunate enough to speak. And I felt like this is, you know, every company in every industry, whether it's SaaS or not should have this much emphasis on getting the customer's real perspective, not just validating what we hope and think, but their real perspective. And that goes back to, if you, you, if you have trepidation about asking certain questions and need sort of a boost of courage to ask them, just think of it like, well, do we want the truth or not? If we want the truth, then we, we want to ask the right questions. If we want to just gloss over it, we can do that too. But that's not a company that I personally would want to work. Yeah. And I think the world is changing towards this more transparent notion. It's already happened with employees, companies being more transparent. Now it's the transparency between customers and vendors is, is the tra- that transparency is really emerging and increasing. I love it.
2: Yeah. Well, every every industry, no matter what, has to sell repeat business, right? I mean, ideally, the, the companies that are reaching a real estate velocity are either selling over and over to their customer base, right? In the in the case of like consumer packaged goods or, you know, physical things. But, you know, the, the thing that I think, you know, we've recently come back around to and started, you know, telling this story again is that the reason it's taken hold so strongly in SaaS is because We don't sell a product and make our profit in year one or month one, right? Right. We sell our product and we make our profit in three years, four years, five years time. Um, We're working with a customer now who, a client of ours who has had customers for 15, 18, 20 years, right? That is where you make profit in the software business these days because the business model is different. So it forced it, right? We used to be able to sell the software Tack on a maintenance contract and let support handle it, right? And then, right. oh, they want to talk to us about more software. Good, I'll get the sales team back involved. Not the case anymore, right? So it's a it's a completely different ball game. And I don't think it, certainly it seems like an anomaly that the that the SaaS world has latched onto it, but it's it's out of necessity. And then I think you know what we see more and more is that it's beginning to cross into other industries that are beginning to understand they have to have a recurring element or a transactional element to what it is that they do as well yeah but it applies everywhere the same principles apply everywhere so it
1: should it should and again i give you guys credit for not just operating a business in that space but being part of the uh changing changing the the importance level of customer success as and making it as strategic as it could possibly be i think it's on the way but i think you guys are accelerating that so that's why i love following you guys online
0: yeah yeah we've been Thanks, so man. excited about that
1: it's, it's all hypothetical, is you would say to a customer, uh, and again, if you tee up the conversation the right way, this will sound fine. You'd say to them, uh, let me ask you a question. And I have this, I have a particular conversational style where I'm not, it doesn't sound like I'm reading, I'm actually thinking along with them, like, well, let me ask you a question. Um, hypothetically, you're on a fl- an airplane, and I, I know this is contextual, so it wouldn't happen today. <laughs> you're on an airplane, and you strike up a conversation with the person sitting next to you, and it turns out they are an expert in your field like they are a global renowned expert they they get paid a lot of money to give advice to people just like you and your companies like yours yeah okay so and you strike up a conversation the person is very relaxed and friendly what's the first thing you'd ask them if they said you can ask me anything you want what what's the first and only thing if you could only ask them one thing what would you ask them now first of all they they may say um well, what do you mean they're an expert? You mean in customer success or this type of software or our our customers industry? You say, you can decide anything you want, because you don't want to tell them any, you don't want to give them any guidelines or guardrails. So when they start answering, you realize what I've realized, and this is another due diligence question is, Hey man, they're asking a question of a thought leader that they've never asked us, but it's our area of expertise too. So it helps you again with the Delta between like, they're looking at us as a vendor, not as a resource. And, and so I've had all kinds of fun with that one because, um, I'm listening and I'm writing, you know, I'm taking notes and they're telling me all this stuff. Like I'd want to know, are we doing it the right way? What are the best practices? And, um, I, I don't have an obligation at that point to say to them, well, how, how come once sometimes I'll do, I'll say, well, how come you don't ask them? My, my client, the, the vendor, and they'll say, uh, I don't know, I never thought of it or they never asked. So, um, that is another great sort of Delta defining question between what, what, what challenges are they that have they not articulated that are latent or things that maybe their boss expects them to know that you have to give them a hypothetical like that to get them to talk about it so I love that one I just love it yeah
0: that's that that's a good one for that um, really resonates with me during this time because another concept I think we hear a lot about with um, our our clients or the customer success leaders that we talk to is um, this notion that a lot of times the conversation ends up being about the software or the product or the tool that we're giving them instead of about the job they're trying to accomplish, the industry that they're a part of, Absolutely. Uh, the organization they're a part of. And that, I love that question because it resonates with me where it says, uh, again, like we're, you know, Jay and I are trying to always reinforce, which is the more value you can bring to the organization, even of outside course. of your product, just brings so much more value to that relationship um, and credibility to the relationship than Absolutely. Uh, just always talking about and harping on your product.
1: Well, I think I, I would, I would, to take a very firm stance on in agreeing with you by saying it's your obligation as a vendor to find out what's on their mind in case you can help them with it uh this this uh SAS company that i was talking about before um it's not anywhere in their mandate that they're going to help their customers with uh filing for ppp um that's just not that's just not it's just not it's not written down anywhere you have to have an instinct where you say tell us what's going on can we help and oh can we help you with that because we do have a little bit of expertise in that area or we have one subject matter expert, or let us introduce you to our bank, well, anything, you know. Um, and, and this is different from like, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, how was your vacation in uh, the Bahama? It's, that's all fine for relationships, but it's not unimportant. But this is, this is um, it's not personal in that sense. This is really empathizing with what their job is like. Um, and there are some really interesting companies out there that are doing a great job with, it. I don't even call it content marketing, I call it insight marketing. Because content marketing, as you may know, has become largely a lot of noise and just, you know, very, very inexperienced people putting out very, a lot of exclamation points like cheerleading messages. But companies that really understand what their customers' objectives are can publish content that helps them achieve those objectives, whether or not it sells software. Because it helps, it's just a, a, it's a way to continuously add value. I get very hopped up about companies that are doing that well.
0: You, uh, you, you're about to, I was about to say Jay's over there chomping at the bit. This is like his, I mean, he's been talking about this, you know, since I joined the company well, you guys you know, are about doing three it. years ago. You,
1: you guys yeah. are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, it's,
0: that's part of our, you know, that's, um, part of when we, you know, I, I liked what you said earlier when you said, uh, I think it might've been an off air where you're talking about, you know, Jay, Jay talking about how we're going to go post on LinkedIn anymore. Like it took us a long time to go do that because I think we were trying to figure out like, how do we actually provide tangible actual value and avoid the noise. Just like you mentioned, like it's a really hard thing to do because pretty soon if you get caught up into it, you're, you know, you're thinking about just producing the next piece of content. You want the next piece of content. You want the likes, you want the views, you want all this stuff that it comes with and you're not actually providing the value that is really tangible to the person whose audience, you know, who's in the audience. That's right. And,
1: And I want to make a distinction because you your, your audience for this, that, for a consulting firm, it's pretty obvious that you have expertise that can benefit whatever your client's mission is, even if it doesn't cause them to buy more. But for product companies, there tends to be this intense emphasis. It's all product. Um, there's no sort of intangible brand stuff around it. And I think that that for those companies, I'll, I'll give you a quick example if we have time. Yeah. There, there was a company that I worked with several years ago that has since been acquired and is doing great. The company was called parkmycloud.com. What is it? It's basically And a programmable on-off switch, like a Nest thermostat, but for AWS. Because the the dirty secret of the cloud, the public cloud, is if you leave, if if you have instances, you know, a thousand instances running 24/7, you pay 24/7. But you can turn them off, and then not be billed for the portions that you turn off. So these guys created this very slender app, web app, that it's like a calendar, but you can turn off AWS and now uh, Azure and now Google Cloud. But if you look at their content. They understand that the the, the goal of their customers, their users, is to reduce cloud spending and optimize cloud spending. So they don't just say, oh, here's a blog post on how to use our product. They say, oh, Amazon just rolled out new pricing. Here's everything you need to know about that and how to save money. How does it factor into your strategy? And that's one of a million examples that they do all the time. So that was part of a concerted effort to say, guys, you need to become cloud pricing experts, not just software salespeople. Um, yep. and, and you need to use it on the front end to attract new customers, and you need to do it to add value to existing customers. And they've leveraged that incredibly well, incredibly well. So it's, but you have to understand that your customer's goal is not just to buy your software. That's not a goal. Their goal is to, they've been given a mandate to reduce spending. So if you can help them do that with data, advice, whatever, you got to do it. It implies to soft, every software company I can think of.
0: Awesome. That's perfect. Uh, fun stuff. Uh, This has been fun. Uh, I, I wish we could go longer because I feel like there's probably a ton of questions that you, we can pick out of your brain. Um, but I do, this is not a planted question. We actually do ask this uh, at the end of every conversation. So um, what is one thing that's on your whiteboard right now that you have to get done before the end of this week?
1: Uh, that I have to get done by the end of this week. I have to yeah. order a fire pit for the <laughs> Oh, that's
0: I like a that fun one. Going personal. That's a fun. Yeah. I love that. Bain that's easy. a good one.
1: By the way, it ain't easy because everyone's sold out. Um, something that's on my whiteboard that I have to get done by the end of the week. It's a great question. So I have been planning to start a video series um, to share this kind of expertise. And I have, I've invested in a really nice camera. I have a really professional looking truck. So I need to do my first video this week. If I don't, it's going to be hard to go to sleep Friday night. So I'm glad you asked. It is literally on, it it is literally on a whiteboard and uh, I need to get it done this week. All right. we'll, We'll check in with you toward the end of the week and make sure. Yeah, we have the same wait. experience. You just got to do it's it. Five, it's by. It's I'm assuming you mean it's going to be by the end of the week when this is published. So that gives me another couple of weeks.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> <I'll> tricky <take it, laughs> way.
1: <laughs> hey, um, I got a quick question,
2: real quick, before we let you go, Bob. Can you? Can we have a, a list of those questions to share with our audience? Yeah. Would that be yeah. okay with you? Because okay. I think there's well, a lot of value.
1: Well, as, what you we share as, there. Yeah. Thanks for asking. As you may know, i I've open sourced them because I. I'd rather have every company using them. And then once in a while, a company says "Oh, maybe we should call Bob and have him do it. So um, if people can go to chieflisteningofficers.com, spelled just like it sounds, and there, there will be a pop-up within a few seconds. And you can download an ebook that has, it's called the Customer Rediscovery Playbook. And a lot of the questions are in there. And then if you're on my list, which, you know, if you agree to get emails from me once in a while, I don't sell um, but I, I publish occasional new questions, so it's a way to stay stay tuned on those. And if you're interested, um, I also am doing something because of, because of the pandemic and wanting to you know basically donate time to help CEOs, founders, chief marketing officers, chief customer officers, or, or customer success people. I want to help them emerge as successful as possible from all this, and, and I have time to give. So I have, uh, if you go to going back on offense, dot com um, I'm offering free office hours every day for, um, for you know time slots uh, in the morning and in the evening uh, to just to see what's on people's mind and see if I can help pinpoint what they need to do next and um, you know so I'm happy to do that and um, cool. th- that's going to be going on at least June probably July and maybe part of August so no charge Well, again, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat because I'm I'm a big fan of what you guys have done and are continuing to do. And it's super important. Super important.
2: Hey, guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.